Welcome to Cargatex Full Year 2023 results call. My name is Aki Vesikallio, I'm from Cargatex Investor Relations. Today's results will be presented by Cargatex CEO and Kalmar's interim president Kasimir Lindholm, CFO Mikko Puolakka and HIEF's president Scott Phillips. The presentation will be followed by a Q&A session. Please pay attention to the disclaimer in the presentation as we, be, we will be making forward-looking statements. With that, over to you, Kasimir. Thank you, Aki. Also welcome on my behalf. Uh, it is, of course, great pleasure here to present a very strong year, four consecutive, consecutive quarters in a row with stable and good performance. Uh, and it is a step change compared to the historical numbers. Uh, orders received uh, down from, from last year, I'll come back to that a bit later on. Uh, sales, of course, on a very uh, high level of 4.5 billion. Uh, we have positive news also that service sales increased, eco portfolio increased, and I'll come back to those figures a bit later as well. Then uh, all three businesses contributing uh, in a very positive way, of course, Calmer and McGregor uh, on a completely different level compared to 2022, and also HIAB uh, improving uh, from previous years. So we are on a 11.2% uh, operating profit level above 500 million euros. Orders received, um, we are back on, on pre-COVID levels. Uh, Q4 as such, I think, uh, positive uh, compared to, to Q3, uh, and mainly uh, strong order intake from, from HIAB, uh, and Scott will come back to that a bit later on. Um, all in all, uh, orders on a roughly 4 billion level in 2023. Now the order book is on 2.8 billion level, and then if we look back to the pre-COVID levels, we are uh, above those levels. So taking out 21 and 22 that were special years, uh, we still have a, a good order backlog going into 2024. And um, of course, the operating profit then um, quarter by quarter uh, we see a, a very good trend in all businesses. We have some one-offs that both uh, Scott and, and Mikko will comment later on, especially in, in higher partly in, in Kalmar, and those are mainly connected to the cost-saving uh, program that we announced in Q3, and I will come back to that as well uh, in a few minutes. Service sales, all in all, also here, uh, very positive development uh, in 23. Uh, we had had a bit slower uh, levels in, in service orders in, in Q4, but all in all 23 also here, uh, very positive and good development. Uh, that said, uh, I think this is the area in, in all three businesses where we have a lot of potential going forward, uh, especially in, in, in Kalmar and and McGregor, but also also in HIAB. So this will be one of the key areas where we focus uh, going forward. Eco portfolio also here uh, positive numbers uh, 
positive improvement in, in 23. Um, so we have increased uh, in climate solutions and in circular solutions, and, and we, we see it a positive trend in all businesses in the eco-portfolio side as well. Then coming back to Q3 and the cost savings program that we announced, uh, that uh, we have been working on then in the fourth quarter, uh, and we see uh, results in this area as well. This was, of course, uh, our way to safeguard profitability going forward. Uh, we have a clear drop in orders compared to, to 22 numbers in Hayab and Kalmar, roughly 400 million euros less in order intake compared to the record high 2022 20, levels. So uh, we responded to that and we have worked a lot in this area. Uh, and you can see that we have roughly 15 million euros booked um, as costs attached to the cost saving program uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, roughly 10 in, 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 uh, in Hayab and, and five in, in um, Kalmar. All in all, uh, we look at a reduction of roughly 300 uh, rolls and, and you will see that that comes with a bit, bit, bit of a lag uh, both regarding internal and external uh, resources over then Q4 and then Q1 and Q2 this year. Um, then on top of that, we have made a lot of adjustments in McGregor offshore business, uh, roughly 350 roles impacted by those initiatives. Uh, also here, uh, the restructuring cost um, 13.5 million in 23. We still have some some cost uh, to come in in 2024, uh, especially then in the first and and second quarter. We'll see the reduction uh, that we have been working on. Uh, as a consequence of of uh, this, uh, we are not anymore in McGregor in in three divisions. The offshore division is is now underneath uh, the merchant. Uh, division and it's called equipment and solutions. So we'll only have equipment and solutions and service within McGregor because the offshore business is clearly smaller than in the past. With that said, I'll give the word to Scott. Scott will present HIAB Q4 and 2023 results. And greetings from my side. So um, I look forward to take you through the results for uh, for our business area Hayab in Q4. I'd characterize the quarter from a headline financial perspective. The key highlight for us was the fact that order intake did improve year over year, uh, finally starting with a uh, four rather than a three. And uh, and what I would characterize is is that that puts us on a nice stable level, both with regards to order intake as well as sales. The disappointment in the quarter, of course, was our operating profit, which was uh, heavily impacted by one-off cost, as Casimir has already alluded to, and I'll give you a bit more color on that one in a few slides. One of the key highlights for us as well, both in the quarter as well as the year, is, is the substantial increase in cash flow. We had an increase of roughly 83-84% year over year, and uh, in the quarter we had a, uh, um, a similar, uh, if not a slightly higher, increase in cash flow. So. Uh, good job by the team overall. Great um, partnership with all of our um, distributors as well as customers. So really pleased with that result. And that sets us up nicely for the year to come. 
So then diving into the numbers, uh, as I said, we had a stable order intake level. I'd say for the fifth quarter in a row, um, we're on a pretty good level. And to put it into a bit more context, in Q3, I think I alluded to, we had a large order that uh, just in terms of completing the transactional process, not able to book in Q3, therefore it moved to the right in Q4. So um, just to put it into proper context, I'd say it, it puts us on quite a nice um, stable level in the 375 to 380 range adjusted for the reduced working days in Q3. So we're really pleased about that. Inflation and interest rates are still uh, impacting um, customer orders in certain geographies. However, what I'm pleased to report is, is that the uh, lead times in our truck OEM partners did increase and improve throughout the quarter. As a consequence, there was um, a heavy amount of usage in our maintenance and repair capacity uh, utilized for installation. So we had a slight uptick in our revenue curve on the installation side, um, but overall um, relatively stable there, but it did impact slightly the orders that we received on the uh, services side. So that resulted in this uh, flat development that Casimir had alluded to as well. And I'm quite pleased, even though the curve is uh, on a steady decline in terms of the order book, that means that we've been quite effective in converting the uh, the backlog that we built up in the latter half of 21 and um, throughout 2022. So quite pleased with that. We go into 23, I think, on it's still a really good level. We've got a significant amount of the year covered in the order book, and we've got nice momentum in terms of converting that um, throughout the, uh, the business. So... Uh, so more to follow on that one in the subsequent quarters to come. In terms of the sales side, as I mentioned before, we're on a quite a stable level. Uh, in the uh, in quarter four, we were at 450 million euros of sales versus 456 in the prior year. That's down 1% in actual exchange rates. In constant currencies, we were actually up a percent. Our service sales were on a similar level as last year at 114 million versus 113 million last year. And that both represented both a 25% um, contribution of our over overall revenues. So um, quite strong operational execution, both in terms of our service and uh, sales operations, as well as our supply operations. And our supply chain continues to develop and get stronger. So really proud of the entire team in that regard. We have a heavy focus on partnering with our suppliers and they've supported us quite nicely throughout the year. And then uh, in terms of then the uh, residual earnings from that sales profile that I just described, it was a disappointment overall in the quarter and um, from the perspective that uh, we delivered 48 million euros versus prior year at 62 million euros. So that's a 22% decline or 10.6% relative operating profit versus 13.5% last year. So we're not pleased about that. However, we were affected heavily by the one-off cost, um, roughly 16 million euros. As Casimir uh, told you earlier, 10 million of that was due to restructuring costs with the cost savings program that we announced last quarter. There was an additional 6 million euros that we had taken decisions to uh, make investments to grow in attractive market segments, which were uh, materialized and booked as operating expense in the quarter. So therefore, um, had a significant impact on, um, on the overall results. However, uh, without those one-offs, we were at 14.2%, so uh, roughly a similar level to last year. Um, with not quite as strong operating leverage as we'd like. Um, but nevertheless, I feel like we've got some nice momentum going into uh, 2023 to um, continue to deliver on quite a good level at, at or above our expectations.
I'd like to end the, uh, the HIAB section highlighting a couple of things that we're uh, very proud of. As Casimir alluded to earlier, our ECHO portfolio orders and solutions are growing. Um, we're quite pleased about the fact that we had a um, significant increase year over year in our overall order intake. We ended on a level of 31%, so right about um, our expectations. In terms of the connected units, which is key for us in terms of shaping the future development of our business as well as our customer operations, we had a 34% uh, increase year over year in connected units. So that brings us up to a level of 35, 36,000 connected units. And that's going to enable us to uh, significantly improve safety, productivity, and sustainability for our customers. And then along the lines of sustainability, I'd love to highlight um, a recent innovation that we've launched to the marketplace. This is our Generation 3 electric power takeoff for our loader crane business, covering a broad range of products in three different classifications of offerings from light, standard, and heavy duty, covering our range up to 40 ton meters. Our light and standard duty electric power takeoff represent a step change in the industry and design and that the design is integrated into the base frame. And that's both an advantage for the use phase and the duty cycle, but at the same time, it's a big advantage in reducing the installation time. Our heavy duty um, range is still um, installed into the truck chassis, but um, we have a 41 kilowatt power uh, available battery electric um, power solution. So the power that we're able to deliver can be maintained throughout the load cycle, uh, which is unmatched in the industry. So we're really proud about that. Uh, and most importantly, um, we, uh, we know that we are enabling um, safer, more reliable, and a significant noise reduction for um, the entire operator experience. And then also there's a big advantage to our customers in allowing the operations to commence earlier in the day as well as to end later in the day with the reduced noise. That's a huge productivity gain for our customers. So um, please come check out uh, our highup.com for more on this product as we're uh, quite proud of it, as you can tell. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Casimir to uh, tell you about Calmar. Thank you, Scott. Um, then over to Calmar. Uh, very strong finish. Uh, to the year. It's all in all a record year in, in Kalmar. Uh, I'm very happy to present that. Uh, demand, I would say, stabilizing. Uh, we'll come back to that a bit later on uh, be, be, between the quarters. And of course, we have done a great job in delivering um, the record high order book. Um, and uh, the profitability was on a good level throughout the four quarters. And then the cash flow was uh, record high in, in, in Q4, so really good job uh, at the end of the year. So we are see, seeing uh, demand stabilizing. Look at the fourth quarter. Uh, now we have two quarters in a row on, on the 400 million uh, euro level, uh, so that's, that's good. And uh, keeping in mind then that we have a strong uh, order backlog for 2024. Uh, we still see some slow decision-making um, regarding larger equipment, and, and we still have uh, the destocking uh, issue with, within terminal tractors. Uh, but I think that will, over time, of course, normalize. And again, the order book gives a good visibility, uh, especially for the two, in some cases, up to three quarters for 2024. And then on top of that, we have the adjustments on the cost side ongoing. So I, I think we're in, in a good place looking at 2024. Uh, 
then of course, when we come from 21 and 22 on a record high level in orders, uh, and then coming down to this uh, new level in, in 23, we can see that uh, the sales is, is uh, then going down um, and we are adjusting, as said, uh, then the cost side uh, to this lower order intake compared to the record 21 and 22. Um, service sales uh, was growing in constant currencies and again emphasizing I think this is an area where we have clear potential in Kalmar going forward uh, both regarding growth and profitability. Uh, then comparing the quarters um, here the cost saving program and one of cost uh, was 5 million so without those we would have been on a 14 percentage level regarding operating profit and as you can see all four quarters in, in 23 on a very good and stable level. Um, we have some losses also from heavy cranes still in these numbers, although, although they are single digit uh, and, and to a large extent then heavy cranes is out of the portfolio in going into 2024. Some uh, few millions left in the order backlog. Um, and maybe on top of that, um, Good to emphasize, I mean, we have been really successful in, in managing the inflationary pressures and component availability, uh, and that can see, be seen in the results as well. Then some milestones. Um, the EV side is developing. Uh, we have been so successful in deliveries uh, of electric ridge stackers and heavy forklifts, and we, we see uh, first repeat orders in this area, so that's very positive. Um, and uh, we can see that also in, in, in uh, of the overall, one third uh, of the orders in, in light and medium forklifts uh, are now of electric versions. Uh, as mentioned before, also on cargo tech level, the, uh, the ECHO portfolio is uh, increasing. Uh, last but not least, uh, we are developing the third generation of our electric terminal tractors and that development continues. With that, I'll give the word and the floor to Mikko. Mikko will present McGregor results and then go into CargoTech level results. Thank you, Kasimir, and good morning also from my side. McGregor was uh, really a really big bright spot uh, for CargoTech uh, in uh, quarter four, but also in, uh, in uh, full year 2023 by delivering 80 million euros comparable operating profit improvement for the full year 23. McGregor's uh, solid order intake continued in merchant and service business. Uh, the offshore orders were only 10% of uh, McGregor's quarter four orders. So we have been still very restrictive with the uh, offshore order intake uh, in order to make sure that uh, the McGregor turnaround continues. McGregor starts the 2024 with uh, 1 billion euros order book, uh, which gives a very good basis for improving the profitability in 24 and also visibility uh, beyond uh, 24. Profitability, as mentioned already earlier, is a special highlight. Uh, McGregor delivered 13 million euros comparable operating profit and uh, this was uh, mainly driven by three reasons. We had a favorable sales mix, meaning that merchant and service revenues grew. Uh, also our fixed costs in McGregor were lower, uh, driven by the previously mentioned uh, offshore restructuring 
And then uh, we had uh, significantly lower project cost overruns in offshore projects uh, compared to quarter 4 2022. The MacRecor full year 23 comparable operating profit was 33 million euros. Uh, the offshore full year loss was roughly 30 million euros. So if we exclude the offshore part of the uh, MacRecor business, MacRecor profitability would have been for the full year 10% already. At the end of the year, we had still in offshore project portfolio a handful of uh, loss-making projects, and these we are planning to uh, complete uh, in 2024. And as mentioned already earlier, we continue with MacRecord restructuring. Last year in 23, we delivered 14 million euros cost savings, and we plan to and to execute another 9 million euros in 24. If we look the highlights of 2023, so many records what you can see here were broken in a positive manner. So we had an excellent year in terms of PNL KPIs, in terms of cash flow, and also what comes to the balance sheet. Basically, I would say that uh, for these uh, financial highlights, there are three uh, main drivers. First of all, our revenues grew by 500 million euros, uh, together with the very strong commercial execution. Uh, uh, we have been able to extract uh, nice, nice uh, profitability from that revenue growth. Then uh, the uh, MacGregor turnaround has been progressing very nicely, significant improvement in there. Uh, and then thirdly, also the heavy cranes, uh, heavy cranes losses have been significantly lower, as mentioned already by Casimir earlier. And these, uh, these have had a significant uh, impact on all these KPIs. Excellent development in eco portfolio sales. Uh, uh, revenues there almost uh, 1.5 billion euros. And uh, positive thing is that the eco portfolio revenues have been growing faster than the tra traditional product sales growth. So in line according to our, our strategy. And really super strong cash flow uh, and then profitability driving our rosy to almost uh, to 20% uh, at the end of the year. If we look, our cash flow quarter four was uh, all-time high in Cargotex history. It, it was uh, very much uh, coming from the very strong profitability in our all three business areas. And then uh, we have been able to reduce uh, the networking capital uh, by roughly 180 million euros uh, during the uh, fourth quarter, mainly coming from the inventory reduction. Inventories went down by 111 million euros. Both Kalmar and HIAP had uh, roughly a cash conversion of 90%. So with cash conversion, I mean the uh, cash flow against the operating uh, profit. Uh, typically, these businesses, uh, HIAP and Kalmar, have had uh, a cash conversion of uh, 100 or even above 100. Uh, but still, during 2023, we have been constrained by the uh, supply chain, and uh, that has led to uh, suboptimal networking capital development. MacRecord had a cash conversion of over 100%, and this was driven mainly due to the strong orders in merchant and the related advance payments. 
our balance sheet position is very strong, uh, giving of course a solid basis now to be for the to be separated uh, companies and also to pursue uh, further M&A activities. Our gearing was 10% and if we exclude the IFRS 16 lease liabilities, our gearing would be actually zero. Our, uh, our debt portfolio or maturity portfolio is very, very smoothly uh, distributed across uh, several years. And basically during 2024, we have uh, 100 million euro bond, which is maturing in March. The board of directors uh, dividend proposal for the AGM is 2.15 euros per uh, B share. This is a 59% increase from previous year. And this dividend uh, payment represents 40% uh, dividend payout ratio and about 4.1% uh, dividend yield. Dividend would be paid uh, on uh, uh, 10th of uh, June 2024. In line with uh, our strategy to separate uh, our three businesses, Kalmar, Hieb and MacGregor, we have uh, decided now to provide for 2024 a separate outlook for these three businesses. Uh, this uh, outlook uh, is uh, provided on the same basis as these uh, three businesses have been reported also in 2023. In the outlook, we have uh, taken into account that Kalmar and he have start uh, 2024 with some 30% uh, low order book compared to 2023. We have also taken into account uh, the cost savings program, what Casimir already mentioned earlier, the 50 million euros cost savings program and those benefits uh, on our fixed costs uh, uh, in 2024. And based on the estimate, we expect uh, EAPS uh, comparable operating profit to be above 12%, Kalmar above 11%, and then for MacGregor, we expect uh, MacGregor comparable operating profit in millions of euros to improve from 2023 level, very much driven by the favorable sales mix so meaning lower offshore sales versus uh, merchant and services, and then the offshore restructuring where we expect another 9 million euros cost savings in 2024. And with that, uh, I would uh, hand it over to Casimir for the other big news of today. Thank you, Mikko. Uh, and then we continue it into the last section of the presentation. Kalmar uh, did merger plan approved by Cartographic board uh, today, and uh, then I will go through what that really means and, and what are the sequences here uh, that uh, we are planning. Uh, first of all, a quote from our chairman of the board, Jaakko Eskola. Uh, I quote, the planning and evaluation of the D-merger has progressed well. The board of directors, with the support of certain major shareholders, has, after careful consideration, decided to propose the separation of Kalmar from Cargotech by means of partial demerger to increase shareholder value. Jaakko Eskola, Cargotech chairman of the board of directors. So by this uh, decision by the board, we'll continue uh, on the path we have been since uh, the 27th of April in 2023 when we announced uh, our intentions. Um, so uh, when the board has now approved um, the demerger plan, we continue on 
work uh, in all the streams. And then um, we are planning uh, to have an AGM uh, on the 30th of May, when then final uh, decisions by shareholders uh, should take place. Uh, more detailed information, of course, uh, as part of prospectus, uh, then in May, and we are also planning capital market stay for uh, Cargotech with focus, of course, on, on Hayab and, and uh, McGregor, and then a separate one for Kalmar. Uh, on top of, of this, um, we are, of course, continuing to uh, look for a solution for McGregor during 2024. And as earlier stated, um, that will most likely take part in the second half of 2024. The structure of the plan transaction is as follows. There are no changes here. Uh, <clears throat> at the end of the day, there will be two separate stock listed companies uh, in Helsinki, uh, Kalmar in, in 24 and, and Hayab in, in 25. That is according to the original plan that we communicated 27th of April 2023. Um, Kalmar Board of Directors proposed by the elect, to be elected by Cargotech Annual General Meeting. Um, Chair Jakko Eskola, Member Teresa Kempi-Vasama and Member Tapio Kolunsarka. Uh, on top of this, of course, we are in a recruitment process for additional board members, then to be presented to the AGM uh, end of, of May. Then today we also announced Kalmar's um, management team and, and here uh, first of all um, happy to announce that Sami Niranen will join on the 1st of April, first as president of Kalmar and then CEO to be of Kalmar. Uh, on top of that we have a change uh, in the Cargotech leadership team, uh, Karina Gebert-Tail will uh, join Kalmar on the 1st of April. Uh, and other recruitment, then is Matthias Höglung, HR, uh, joining Kalmar 1st of, of May. Um, and uh, with this team, uh, we are confident that we are ready for um, a separate listed Kalmar. Uh, and and uh, this work continues in that sense that we're seeking still one role than to have a full Kalmar leadership team in place in front of the partial demerger. The timeline is as follows. Uh, then Sami Niran to join 1st of April. Um, then uh, we have the Q1 results uh, end, of, end of April. Uh, prospectus during May. The capital markets day um, before the AGM. Then separate for Kalmar, separate for Cargotech with focus on on Hayab and McGregor, uh, then the AGM uh, 30th of May, uh, and then planned completion of the merger 30th of June. And then the plan is to have the two separate uh, shares available on the stock market 1st of July, uh, then going live uh, regarding Kalmar. This was the final part of the presentation. Uh, Last but not least, uh, I would like to thank 
all Cargotech employees for excellent work in 2023. It was a very, very good result uh, that we're able to present today. Uh, a lot of hard work behind this one. And of course, uh, a lot of interesting things that we are planning uh, for 2024. And then, of course, uh, thank you to all customers, shareholders uh, for the trust. And uh, with that, uh, we'll open up for any questions that you might have. And, and then please, uh, Mikko and Scott, uh, join me here on the stage. If you wish to ask a question, please dial pound key five on your telephone keypad to enter the queue. If you wish to withdraw your question, please dial pound key six on your telephone keypad. The next question comes from Antti Kansanen from SEB. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning, gents. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, I wanted to start with, with McGregor and, and looking into, into 24 and trying to get the uh, earnings outlook right. So could you comment a little bit about your backlog, how much you expect to deliver that during 24? Also, any information on the magnitude of the ongoing offshore projects, uh, 24 versus 23? And maybe thirdly, are there any concerns about uh, sales mix in a sense that the uh, equipment business is growing faster than services next year. Just trying to get my margin assumptions right. Thanks for the good questions. Uh, firstly, from the order book, uh, we anticipate that roughly 40% of MacRecords uh, close to 1 billion euro order book uh, would be delivered in uh, 2024. And then, of course, on top of that, we have uh, the uh, 300, 350 million euros service business, uh, which is uh, fast cycling cycle business and uh, will, of course, uh, be booked in, uh, in order intake and also delivered during 2024. What comes to the uh, loss-making projects, uh, as mentioned, there is a handful of uh, projects. There is one uh, larger project. Uh, and then a couple of uh, smaller projects, uh, the smaller projects or most of these projects are actually from the percentage of completion point of view uh, already almost at 100 uh, percent, uh, but unfortunately not completed by the end of the year of uh, 2023. So some tales we will unfortunately still have uh, in uh, in uh, 24. And then what comes to your question concerning the mix, uh, I would say that uh, we anticipate uh, McGregor's uh, revenues to most extent uh, be uh, uh, merchant and services. Both merchant and services are, have been already in the past uh, uh, highly profitable businesses and uh, uh, the McGregor profitability improvement in 2024 is very much uh, also expected to come from the positive development in merchant and uh, services. Combined then uh, those uh, cost savings uh, uh, from the offshore business, uh, the 9 million, what we are still expecting to de deliver from offshore fixed costs. Maybe may adding to that out of the order backlog in McGregor, uh, the offshore portion is below 10% of the full order backlog. So give a picture of how, how 
small part of offshore is, is now going forward. And as stated before here during the presentation, it's, it's now a product line underneath uh, what we call equi equipment and solutions, uh, which used to be merchant. Yeah, I mean, is there any way to kind of quantify how much how much left is in the offshore? You talk about one larger and a couple of smaller one, but maybe remind me what was the situation a year ago. At the moment, we have roughly 70 million euros of uh, offshore order book uh, left, uh, and uh, it is not uh, all loss-making projects. So there are also these traditional uh, traditional offshore products like uh, cranes, which we have been delivering over the decades decades and traditional traditional products so it's a, a handful of a handful of uh, let's say loss making offshore wind uh, projects uh, which as mentioned are already in a very late stage of the uh, completion and in in 2023 we said that we have 20 loss making projects and now we're down to a bit more than a handful so that's that's how much has been delivered in 2023. So it's it's a smaller portion than in the past. Okay, that's very clear. And then then the final one is from Scott regarding high ebb. And apologies if you have to repeat yourself. The line was a bit breaking during your your presentation. But could you talk a little bit about demand? I mean, we saw a sequential improvement in in orders. Was this kind of a seasonal thing driven by a couple of larger deals that you got? Or how have you seen kind of the uh, in demand developing and kind of now that we're entering into into 24 what's the uh, what's the outlook regarding that one yeah demand as i said earlier and it probably was my voice so apologies for the voice to all of you uh demand's on a good stable level um the third quarter was a little bit lower than the normal seasonality due to the fact we had a large order move to the right so that materialized in in the fourth quarter so that propped up the quarter a bit <laughs> So adjusting for that order, all four quarters ended last year on relatively um, an ex uh, the same level, and that was the same level as Q4 last year. So with the uh, combination of still the two um, headwind variables in terms of interest rates and inflation, uh, demand still remains muted a bit on that level. However, there's a you know a bit of optimism coming from the uh, reduction of the truck lead times, which we saw materialize throughout quarter four. And uh, then if the uh, European Central Bank and the Fed in the U.S. continue down the path of uh, reducing interest rates, then, um, then that bodes well. Of course, that's all uncertain, depending upon the level uh, that inflation um, materializes at uh, sequentially throughout uh, you know, the first half of this year, I suspect. All right. Thanks so much. That's all from me. The next question comes from Ponu Leighton Markey from Danske Bank. Please go ahead. Firstly, maybe continuing on the same topic uh, for, for Kalmar. So, um, I mean, orders were stable uh, sequentially compared to Q3, but what are you seeing going into 24 and, and first half? So, do you see that the um, demand is improving or is it like flat at this level? And, and how long do you think that the like terminal tractor at East Token will continue? Thanks for the question. Um, I think it's it's uh, a bit too early to say uh, how it looks in 24. Now we have only tw two quarters in a row on a stable, roughly four and million euro level. So I, I think we need to come back to that one in 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 Q 
after Q1 or latest after Q2 to get a real, real pattern. Um, and as mentioned in, in uh, already in Q3 and Q4 reports, then uh, terminal tractors, the destocking situation uh, is normalizing at some point of time, of course, but a bit too early to say uh, where we are there. It's, it's on a downward trend, but uh, after uh, the high orders in 2021 and 2022, uh, I think we, we, we produced a bit too much uh, for, for the market. So it needs to normalize. And, and let's see in the, in the coming quarter if we, we can be more, uh, let's say, open and have full visibility of, of that one. Okay, thank you. Uh, then on high ups, Martins, uh, just on the six million. I mean, wh why do you flag this as as a one-time cost? What, what does it include uh, if it's uh, like investment to growth? Yeah, I'll tell you um, the uh, the exact the composition of the six million. I wouldn't be able to go into. However, it is um, a one-time investment to, to help us to grow into attractive market segments, which. I'll be very happy to provide a lot more color on the impact that we expect to gain from those investments in an upcoming Capital Markets Day. But, but, but the idea is that this was just Q4 specific and then you... Correct. Okay, thank you. Maybe a final one, if I may, on, on the guidance, so it's quite clear. But then uh, how should we read, read that? So I, I guess there is some buffer if you say above 11 and, and, and 12, but... I mean, um, how much is this? Is this something that you could specify going forward or um, any thoughts on kind of how should we read, read those statements? These are basically the, this is the floor what we are expecting to deliver. So for, uh, for Kalmar above 11, 11% for here above 12% uh, and then for MacRecord an improvement from last year's 33 million euros. We have not specified the the let's say upper upper limit limit uh, if there is a need and a reason to specify the guidance more throughout the year then we would do that but uh, that's the kind of floor what we are uh, expecting to deliver at least uh, in 2024 okay thank you The next question comes from Tom Skogman from Carnegie. Please go ahead. Yes, good morning. This is Tom Skogman from Carnegie. I have a couple of questions. So when I look at the, the board's proposal for the AGM, do I understand it correctly that both Hayab and Kalmar will have A and B shares? If I start there. Uh, thank you, Tom, for the question. Uh, I mean, that is then a, a decision to be taken later on um, as part of the AGM. So there is no official decision yet on, on that topic. Okay. And what can you now say about future head office costs compared to the old cargo tech structure that we saw in 23? I understand it's still a bit early, but I guess it's good for everyone just to get these kind of numbers right in our models. So what are we looking at for changes, basically? Yes, if we would look on, uh, let's say, as is basis, so we would have three businesses throughout the year. Basically, our headquarter costs uh, would uh, decline from last year's 51 million euro to by, by 10 million euros as uh, 
we have uh, announced uh, in connection with the quarter three results that we aim at uh, reducing the group costs by 10 million euros. Of course, uh, uh, with the Kalmar demerger on 1st of July, uh, part of the headquarter uh, functions would move to Kalmar. So uh, definitely the ultimate headquarter cost or the group cost uh, will be uh, very different uh, if you compare 24 to 23, but uh, I would say it, it's a bit early at the moment, yet uh, we will need to be a bit closer to the demerger date uh, uh, to, to give indications for that. But is it fair, like, to, I mean, despite these 10 million savings, to expect rather that that the combined cost for Kalmar and, and, and higher basically will be higher around 60 or so despite these 10 million euros there are most probably certain dissynergies uh, as uh, uh, we have certain functions which we need to duplicate uh, which are currently just as a one function for for Cargotech. Uh, on the other hand uh, we also expect uh, and that's part of the rationale of the demerger that uh, there will be also other operational benefits and improvements uh, uh, which are arising from this demerger. So, so some of the synergies will be offset also then by the benefits from the demerger. And uh, this is part of also the equity stories uh, and the uh, capital markets days uh, uh, messages what we are planning to then uh, uh, disclose more uh, towards the end of May. And, and then uh, looking forward, of course, we have expectations that uh, the standalone Hayab and, and uh, Kalmar then in the first two to three years will we'll work a lot with efficiency regarding both uh, systems and processes. Uh, so that's the expectations um, at this stage. Uh, then too early to say and give numbers on that, but that is of course expectation that it will be a simplified structure and very focused from a process and systems point of view, um, when you're focusing on one business instead of in a conglomerate, we, we have several businesses and, and especially from the past, um, all the systems have been created for once upon a time, five, six different um, businesses. So that's an expectation, but we haven't put any numbers on that yet. And then on these EO costs that you have guided for the, the, the completion of the merger, I think it was it 60 million euros, if you remember correctly. So uh, is this just going to advisors or, or, or what is this money kind of going to? Uh, yes, uh, it's correct. Uh, in 2023, we incurred uh, 23 million euros. And uh, for this year, we expect uh, or estimate uh, 60 million euros. Uh, part of this goes to advisory, so legal legal advisory as an example. We have uh, legal entity separations, we have IT separations, so there is uh, quite a lot uh, IT and uh, administrative work needed uh, to separate the two, two businesses. So tons of, uh, tons of details uh, behind, uh, behind these, these numbers. And I mean, we have, uh, it's a quite an exercise. We have roughly 200 persons working every day on this project. So, so the complexity um, regarding, for example, the IT car vaults uh, is, is there for, for sure. And, and we are in 50 countries and we have legal separations, I think, in 40. Yes. So, so it's an it's, um, exercise from a legal perspective and, and uh, systems perspective of, of uh, magnitude what we are conducting here.
No, the biggest effort uh, related to the demerger is definitely the legal entity separation and the IT, IT separation. As uh, like Casimir mentioned, uh, we have had an IT setup, IT systems, several, several different uh, applications for different purposes, which need to be now separated for Kalmar and the, the, the other, other businesses. So that's, that's a major effort uh, behind uh, this uh, uh, separation cost. Okay, and then I would like to ask Scott about, to get a bit more color on the, the demand, you know, by different geographies, you know, and, and different products, is it still so that kind of the heavy side is the weak side and, and it's, it's uh, you know, Northern Europe now weak because of the weak construction markets, etc. Yeah, for us, uh, you're spot on, Tom, and, and uh, good morning. Um, the heavier products, especially heavy cranes, have been impacted more uh, versus the light medium cranes and then other um, product lines that we have in the portfolio. Having said that, we've seen a nice offset in some of the uh, other parts of the portfolio exposed to, uh, to different segments, but it certainly is a construction segment that has been hit the hardest. <clears throat> Our overall demand in the Nordics has, um, has been down, but not as uh, substantially as it otherwise would if we were better penetrated in the heavier cranes within those geographies. So for us, perhaps as compared to a few competitors, has not been as um, represented as big of headwind as it otherwise would. Um, but you're absolutely right. The, uh, the Nordics down up in other areas. Overall revenue mix as well as the order intake mix um, actually stayed quite stable uh, versus 2022. So about 55, 35, and 10 for us, 10 in APAC, 55 Europe, uh, 34, 35 in uh, North America or the Americas. Okay, thank you. The next question comes from Tommy Raylo from DNB. Please go ahead. Hi, it's uh, Tommy from uh, DNB. Uh, a follow-up uh, to Scott, actually. Uh, uh, I was also going to ask about the end market uh, split. Uh, you said construction hardest hit. So you would assume that that uh, share has uh, fallen maybe to 20% level, or, or is that correct from 25? Uh, I believe it was yeah. earlier. Yeah, it's um, it, in that range, 20 to 25 percent, still uh, roughly a split 50-50 between um, the uh, um, renovations and uh, repairs. Uh, so from the install base versus new construction. One thing to keep in mind, however, with that exposure is, is that our um, we have different products outside of loader cranes that would be exposed to that market. So that's somewhat muted the or offset the reduction that we had in the heavier cranes otherwise you're exactly right that percentage mix would have gone down more but uh, because we had a substantial pickup in demand on other products that were exposed there the overall exposure stayed uh, relatively stable and uh, would you say that uh, construction has uh, dropped most substantially in in the nordics and then a question uh, on the service profitability. Can you comment uh, what was the outcome for 23 overall? And at Capital Markets Day, uh, you, you mentioned roughly 19.6% for the, for the services. Has that remained uh, the level or improved? And uh, maybe also 
follow up uh, if, if there's any major differences between uh, the, the, the businesses. Thank you. Yeah, we certainly had a a, a nice um, uptick in the services profitability year over year. So um, really excellent job by the team there. And we will provide more color on that in the capital markets day. And uh, overall, cargo tech level, we have stated that we are roughly on a 10% OP level regarding the, the products and roughly 20 on, on service. Then, uh, of course, there are differences between Hyab and Kalmar and the divisions, but roughly those those levels and and of course we are targeting to to grow service in in all three businesses and and profitability over the years to to come that is one of the cornerstones in all three businesses strategy going forward thank you very much the next question comes from anti kansanen from seb please go ahead yeah, hi. Just wanted to follow up on on the cash flow, Mikko. You mentioned the cash conversions on on Kalmar and and Haya, but maybe digging a little bit deeper, if you look at kind of the working capital, the sales levels on these two businesses, and I mean Kalmar's mix has a little bit changed over the years. So what's what's kind of your normal working capital levels through the cycle for for both of these businesses? Overall, I would say still that, uh, like also I said uh, that. Uh, Cash conversions have been uh, around 90% for Kalmar and Hiyab. Uh, so that basically indicates that uh, the networking capital levels are still, let's say, not an optimal level. Uh, it's, uh, I would say, the main topics are still related to the inventory turnovers, what yeah. comes to accounts payables or or uh, accounts receivables. Uh, I see those on a good level, but uh, inventory is there. Both in Kalmar and uh, Hiyab, uh, we have room to improve, and it is uh, still stemming from, uh, for example, in Hiyab's case, uh, uh, the truck uh, delivery schedules uh, changes there, and when uh, when the products can be delivered and, and such things. And then in Kalmar's case, it's uh, still in certain cases uh, missing components, and then also to a certain extent, this uh, previously mentioned uh, destocking as well. Okay, are you seeing any kind of new issues regarding kind of freight and availability because of the uh, the Red Sea, Red sea issues? Is this something that could jeopardize working capital improvements during 24? We have seen in uh, some areas, and we anticipate in some areas a bit longer longer lead times uh, lead times. But I guess uh, the COVID uh, COVID environment and the aftermath of COVID has also, uh, let's say helped us to understand and uh, make the supply chains a bit more flexible. So here and there, we can have some some delays, but uh, at least so far too early to say that uh, uh, kind of uh, nothing nothing dramatic at least. Yeah, I would echo that in Hyab. So far, um, and we're looking at this daily, nothing imminent. Um, having, at the same time, I would expect that uh, we should see a bit of extended lead times perhaps impact more on the truck OEM side, which of course impacts our ability to convert our inventory into revenue. Uh, maybe a bit of impact in tier two, tier three suppliers, both within that supply chain as well as our own. Um, but as Miko said, we've learned over the last two, three years how to cope with that. So we have a lot more resiliency and flexibility in our end to end supply chain. So. I, so far, it, it looks like um, it's quite manageable with the um, potential risk for a bit of delays. 
in in Kalmar, we anticipate that in, in some of the divisions we might see a couple of weeks um, delays here in Q1 or Q2, depending on how the situation develops um, in the Red Sea. So so nothing dramatic, but some some delays uh, to be expected. Okay, uh, just then a detailed confirmation on Mikko. When you talk about cash conversion, you are referring to operating cash flow and EBIT. Yes, it's uh, basically the EBIT after the items affecting comparability and then uh, versus uh, versus operating cash flow. Okay, very clear. Thanks. The next question comes from Mikhail Dopel from Nordia. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, and uh, morning, everybody. Just a couple of questions here. Firstly, on, on a pricing, I mean, given the, the market environment that you see out there, uh, seems to be perhaps bottoming out a bit, but at the same time, I guess demand is, is declining. So just wondering how that is impacting your pricing across across your, your new equipment and, and service businesses when you're heading to 2024. Uh, are you seeing any price pressure currently or, or how, how would you describe the situation? Yeah, I can take it for high up first. Uh, on our side, always there's price pressure. Our customers would um, absolutely love us to um, provide our offering at lower pricing. Uh, having said that, um, we expect for pricing, at least the way we see it in the beginning of the year, to be quite stable sequentially. So uh, in that regard, um, heavy negotiations, these um, conversations are always ongoing. Um, we are under pressure uh, constantly from competitors that also are trying to uh, ensure that their factory order books stay on a good level when they fill the factory. So um, where we need to, we have an extremely professional uh, pricing function, a, uh, um, an emerging capability on our commercial excellence side, good partnership between um, those, our, um, our uh, supply operations and our R&D teams. So, uh, so far we've been able to cope with this fairly well and we expect that to continue into uh, this year in 2024, but it will be a constant pressure point throughout the year, but we feel pretty uh, good about our ability to cope with it. Yeah, similar in in um, in Kalmar. I mean, the, the the price adjustments that were made in 21 and 22. I mean, we we do not expect anything similar going <laughs> forward, and the prices have, have stayed on that level. And then on top of that, there are some regular yearly price increases also now in 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 24. But uh, similar situation to compared to to high have been in Kalmar. Okay. Well, that's clear. Thank you. And then a couple of questions on the service business. So if we start with, with 2023, you talked about capture rates, uh, spare part capture rates in that business, which have developed positively in the years, but you're still quite far, far behind uh, some of the, the kind of uh, best-in-class operators on that front. So just wondering if you could describe how that capture rate developed for you uh, in 2023. Yeah, I can take that starting with Hayab. Um, we've seen a nice uh, development in Hayab. We um, teed up in on our November 15, 2022 capital markets day that we would target to be at 47% capture rate, and that's about where we ended in the year. Uh, so that's a, a good improvement uh, continuing over the past three years. 
uh, keys to us to get to the target level. And if you'll recall back to then, uh, if you've seen the material either during the presentation or after, we think we can get to a level of 60%. And critical for us is given the mix of our sales that go through um, our channel partners, then it comes down to visibility to the install base. As we increase the um, amount of connected units, which I described earlier, as well as um, better and better partnership models with our um, dealers and importers, then we're getting um, all the time uh, much better control over the uh, install base. Then we're able to partner with our, uh, with our channel uh, distribution partners to go out and, uh, and capture um, our full entitlement um, better and better as uh, time develops. I'd say that we still have two to three years, most probably, to uh, to get to uh, levels approximating or getting close to those target levels of 60%. So those are the two or three things that we need to do better moving forward. And we feel like we've got uh, clear uh, action plans to go from where we are now to uh, where we desire to be. And we'll talk about this more in our upcoming Capital Markets Day as well. From from a Kalmar point of view, uh, I mean, the growth in service was 8% if you take into account the currency. Uh, so so we are growing in that sense. Uh, there are a couple of elements uh, that will help us grow going forward. One is, of course, we have delivered on the all-time high backlog, so we get more uh, bigger installed base that, that's one part then of course in this this interest environment uh, we see some of our customers using the equipment longer than maybe the normal life cycle that will uh, increase uh, the need for service and spare parts and even in some cases refurbishment uh, then last but not least i mean uh, we need to more work more actively on the installed base and the customer base i think we have uh, clear potential in, in growing servers uh, in, in Kalmar uh, in the years to come. And, and again, it's it's one of the cornerstones in the strategy for the standalone Kalmar. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's very clear. And then just, just finally, if I may, um, how resilient do you see the service business now going into 2024? I mean, what, what are your assumptions for that business, you know, overall on aggregate level? Do you, is the base case going to remain stable? Revenue-wise, or, or how would you how would you expect it to develop? Yeah, I'd say starting on the high upside, we see uh, strong resiliency in the in the service business. Um, given the mix of our recurring revenue versus the non-recurring revenue, the recurring revenue is growing at a uh, continues to grow at a much faster rate. Uh, so that bodes well, and that's all about harvesting the opportunities from the install base. And the better we do that, the the higher the probability is we can increase our net promoter scores with our customers. We know those that are promoters are uh, now they're 95% likely to repurchase. So that's, uh, as Casimir stated with Calmar, it's clearly central to our strategy in HIAB. But uh, moving forward, I'd see good, strong resiliency in the services business, good level of stability and opportunities to continue to grow that business. Yeah, and on Calmar side, I think, I mean, looking... Um, the 15,000 units uh, where we have a good visibility of, of, of the activity. The activity is, is on a good level in the second half of, of 23 regarding um, the usage of, of the installed base. So, so we expect um, the service uh, business to continue 
at least on the levels where we are. And, and of course, we have an ambition to, to grow uh, in service in, in Kalmar as well. And, and the same goes uh, for, for McGregor. Yeah. Good. Thank you very much. The next question comes from Erki Vesela from Indias. Please go ahead. Erki from Indias, just a housekeeping question regarding orders and sales division in Kalmar in, in 23. I mean, between large ports, small ports, and then inland terminals. Uh, what were the changes in, in 23? Uh, we haven't specified uh, the split there between large ports, small ports, and terminals, but it's, of course, uh, the strategy change is, is uh, quite big in, in Kalmar, where we are not anymore a big ports uh, company. We are very, very much more into smaller ports and terminals uh, regarding the solutions and products that we now have in place in Kalmar. So it's leaning more towards that than, than the large ports in the past, where we had the heavy cranes and the end-to-end -end automation project. So that is a, is a, is a big change. Uh, you can also see it from the order backlog. Uh, in the past, the order backlog then converting into sales and, and profits was uh, slower because we, we, had, we had the project business there and the heavy cranes there. Uh, now we are only in product services and spare parts business, so you will see the order backlog then converting faster compared to the past. Uh, so, so, uh, but we haven't opened up specifics around which part of, of uh, the business in terms of also small ports or, or larger ports, how that developed? Yeah, if I can recall it correctly, a couple of years back, the larger uh, the share of large ports was around 30%. Am I assuming right that it still had come down? Yes, and, and also just the fact that we only have a couple of millions left of order backlog in, in heavy cranes. So if you compare to those figures, absolutely, that, that share has been coming down. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. The next question comes from Tom Skogman from Carnegie. Please go ahead. Yes, I have some follow-up questions. So in, in Kalmar, how large were the heavy crane losses in 2023? It was uh, seven, uh, 7 million euros versus uh, 20 million euros in 2022. So 13 million euros loss, uh, less losses. And very yeah. much, it was very much according to our expectations. So actually the delivery of the remaining order, uh, order book for the heavy cranes proceeded as, as expected. And then in, in the McGregor, I know we have touched upon, you know, that the margin was 10% in, in merchant last year, but, but could you still give out exact numbers on the offshore losses and what was kind of the, uh, the you know, the, the losses coming from this bad project to get the understanding of the other parts of the offshore business? Well, in general, we have said that uh, basically the offshore losses uh, overall uh, not taking into account what, what is bad or uh, what, what's good. Uh, the offshore losses were 30, 30 million euros. So without those, McGregor would have delivered uh, over 60 million euros uh, positive result, comparable operating profit in 23. And as said, uh, we have still a handful, handful of projects uh, 
which need to offshore projects which need to be delivered in uh, 24 uh, but uh, in most of those cases the project percentage of completion is uh, uh, very close to 100 percent and compared to to 23 then as stated before uh, we had 20 loss making projects in 23 and now we're looking at a handful and one of those are, is a is a bigger one so then you get roughly the magnitude uh, how it looks for for 24 compared to 23. Okay, and then about McGregor's order outlook, you know what vessels have been ordered, so you have a pretty good visibility on, you know, at least the direction of orders this year compared to 23. What can you say about that? And then uh, I heard Varsla saying a couple of days ago here that, or yesterday, that, that yards are now expanding a lot in, in, in Asia to, to build up more capacity. So perhaps you could give your, your views on this a bit as well. So. Yeah, overall, overall, if we are looking uh, looking the vessel contracting activity and the projections for 2024, it looks uh, solid from MacRecor point of view. Very similar kind of uh, structure what we have uh, seen for 2023. So, uh, for example, car carriers or pure uh, car, pure truck uh, uh, carrier type of vessels uh, specializing in electric vehicle transportation from one continent to the other, uh, as an example. Uh, so very, very much kind of merchant vessel driven activities. Also container, container vessels in, in the uh, sales funnel as well. And I mean, overall, we see the market uh, that is positive. And, and, and again, the, the order backlog for, for McGregor is on a very good and healthy level uh, for 24 covering to a large extent, uh, what we expect uh, regarding sales in in twenty in twenty four. But, but do you expect order growth in twenty four in McGregor? I mean, you know what vessels have been ordered in all the segments. Uh, difficult to we don't guide the order intake uh, and uh, I mean McGregor's orders are still they are project orders they can be lumpy so uh, it's. Uh, we would refrain on, on uh, giving an exact uh, order intake uh, order intake number or direction. But overall, the, we don't see any reason why McGregor's uh, 24 market would be any any worse than 23. No, and on top of that, of course, we have been very conservative regarding the margins uh, and the risks that that we we take in in, for example, in in offshore. So so that the impacts there. Of course, you could be more aggressive but we have given the the past we have decided to be quite conservative uh, there and, and uh, you can see a quite low order intake in, in offshore in in 23 and we we're not anticipating to grow that in in 24 uh, not with, with any large number at least regarding projects so so um, so that's also something to keep in mind regarding McGregor. Okay, and then a final question to Scott. Uh, is there any meaningful difference in your and Palfinger service offering? And where you're doing service business? There's, uh, we do a lot more direct uh, service as compared to, uh, to Palfinger. Um, and of course, we're, uh, we're positioned that way um, most substantially in the US. Uh, as compared to they, as compared to Paul Finger, of course, as you've heard from 
uh, from their team. That's an area of focus for them to build up, and we see that they are. Uh, but nevertheless, that's been an area where uh, that served us well, and there's additional opportunities for us to continue to um, look at the mix of our own uh, service versus the service that we do through our, uh, our channel partners. But uh, at this time, we like the mix. Uh, however, we're looking at opportunities where we can uh, both increase our own as well as uh, service coverage through our uh, distribution partners. Um, Tom. Okay, thank you. There are no more questions at this time, so I hand the conference back to the speakers for any closing comments. Thank you for the great questions and the great presentations and answers, gents. We've, we are back on the last day of April when we publish our first quarter results. Stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.